Welcome to Trust the Journey. I'm Melanie Curtis. And I'm Jason Maledsky. Our mission is to live, laugh, love, and learn together with you. We're here to create conscious connections, to grow, and to contribute to our practice of openness, honesty, vulnerability, humility, and trust. Trusting the entire journey. Yes. And if you want to find us on the internet, if you haven't already, we're at trustthejourney.today. That is our website. It's also our Instagram. We invite you to like, to comment, to share, to reach out to us directly, personally, to give us five-star rating and review if that is so inspired. It definitely helps us reach more people and and uh, hopefully impact the world in a better way, which is definitely part of our bigger goal. Uh, if you want to join the Trust the Journey family, we expand the conversation from the podcast there. We support each other. We have a safe space to share and be supported. Uh, so yeah, Join us there if you ever are inspired that all you need to do to get in there is to donate on Patreon in any amount. So go to trustthejourney.today, scroll down and click on the button that says donate on Patreon and we'll get you in there. And we appreciate everyone who supports us on Patreon. It truly makes the show possible. And it's just so wonderful to connect with people more personally as well in the family. So yeah, if you're ever called, we, we welcome you to join us. Yeah. Thank you very much to all our supporters. And if you would like to subscribe to the show, you can find us at our website, trustthejourney.today and listen directly there. You can sign up for our email newsletter and you can sign up on Spotify or iTunes where just about anywhere where you would find podcasts. We'd like to send some special thanks out to our wonderful editor, Kimberly Joy Voice. Without her, the show wouldn't happen. And if you need some podcast editing services, please feel free to reach out to her at Kimberly Joy voice at gmail.com and she will be wonderful to work with and happy to help you out absolutely jay and us jay and myself are also individually on the old internet jay is uh, on instagram jason underscore maledsky and i uh, all my socials and all my stuff can be found at melaniecurtis.com so okay team let's let's dive into this today our we're talking today about war and certainly this episode, this conversation today was inspired by, motivated by what's happening in the world and not that we are in any way experts to comment on what's the conflict in Ukraine and with Russia, but I cannot imagine anybody not being impacted in some way by this and, and we want to sort of explore explore this conversation and see what value we can add, but also, and also honor the struggles that people are going through right now that I can't even fathom. Yeah, this is, it's the whole topic. I mean, that three letter word war, it's such a troubling concept inside of our species in our existence our lives nobody escapes this it's something that's been going on since the dawn of time and it's it's deeply troubling it's like there's this crazy irony that nobody wants it and then it happens all the time it's like it never stops and yet nobody wants it Mm -hmm. at least it's the feeling that nobody wants it um 
the impact that it has is so vast from, you know, complete devastation and annihilation to emotional trauma and and just fear, embedded fear and carrying that through lineages, through lifetimes, through family heritage lines. It's just such a such a horrible thing. And it's so troubling. And when it jumps back up in our face again. We can't we can't just ignore it. I I want to start by saying the when I heard about the conflict that was occurring recently, it was presented in a post that I saw and somebody was like, oh, the irony. And there was a a, sh- a, a news article about the war that had just started. And next to it was some cheesy advertisement for something. Mm, gosh. And, I, and it's just made me want to made me nauseous. I was mm. like, how can we have this like, yeah, go buy some things, have some fun, live your life, do something pointless. Right. And over here, we'll kill people and steal and take and destroy. And, and it just made me stop and just kind of take a moment. Go, what the hell's going on? What the fuck is going on? Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the things I was thinking of, and again, this is from the perspective of really not being informed at the level I could be or just not being intimately connected to what's going on, but caring. I, uh, the, the idea of how could this be happening in 2022? This idea of haven't we, how can we have not moved beyond this? You know what I mean? This, it just seems so wrong to me. And so just God, there, like, how are there not other ways to solve conflicts or to share, you know, like it's, it's this idea of taking and God, it's, it feels so terrible to me, obviously. Um, on the positive side, and again, this is only from the perspective of, of really trying to extract positives from something that is absolutely horrible is seeing the inspiration and the the power of the Ukrainian people and you know Zelensky the leader the, the Ukrainian president how he's stepped up in terms of being a leader and how much inspiration and energy you can f- that that comes from that from a person sort of really standing up and caring to stick around and show up for their people and the messages and the realities of what they want to defend against some dark power, some dark force. I have a really good friend uh, who's somebody who's been a lifelong friend. I've known him since I was in my 20, early 20s, and he's Ukrainian, mm-hmm. and he's in Ukraine right now. He was based in Kiev through most of COVID, mm-hmm. and uh, he recently fled Kiev and found a safe haven in a rural area mm-hmm. away from city centers where he can kind of hunker down and decided not to you know, try to flee the country because there's this mass 
exodus occurring and uh, just people going in all directions and not knowing where to go or what, you know, not, not having a clear destination means you're just going to run into roadblocks everywhere and you're just going to ping pong around and not, and not have a plan. And that's going to become mentally taxing. Um, I talked to him on the phone for about an hour, a couple of days ago, and he was telling me about how being in Kiev, you know, the air raid sirens are going off constantly and then they're shelling and the men, and you're running for bomb shelters and the mental stress load is so high that, you know, you start to, he's in his words, he would start to hear the sirens going off. Oh, fuck, fuck this. I'm not running to the fucking bomb shelter. I'm going to run. And this is kind of the attitude is that you get numbed to it where at first they're like, okay, run and hide. And then you get in a bomb shelter and then it's the energy in there is terror. And so that brings everybody to a vibration of fear and terror. Mm-hmm. And in and, and his opinion, it was like, no, I'm not going to go in there and just be scared and, and let the world fall down around me kind of thing. And I think that's what you're seeing in a lot of the people is they're like, no, we're just going to sit here and let, like, let this, let everything come crashing down. We're going to take up our, take up our arms and we're going to go and fight back. And, you know, in his words, he was saying, he thought Zelensky was just going to run and hide. He had no faith at all. He's like, man, I thought this guy was a total, you know, wuss. Mm-hmm. And the second that things happened, he said he turned into Rambo. And now he's like, you know, face on. And he's really won the people's, um, you know, their their passion and their faith. And I can, I, I'm listening to some of this, um, some of the shares, he said there's lines of Ukrainian citizens as far as they like the lineup of people trying to get their hands on arms Mm -hmm. is longer than they can distribute in a day. Wow. Kind of thing. So every day there's a line of citizens, old, young, like from child to, to old elderly that are lining up to to get their weapons to go fight. And because they're just not going to take it. Yeah. And it's, Oh, It's powerful. It's powerful. You know, and I have, I have, I have compassion for all different reactions. Like I, if I think about it and like the idea of being a refugee, you know, this idea of that it can happen to anyone. It can happen to anyone. It makes me think of, and again, it's not the same thing necessarily, but in the only thing in my life that even comes close to this is 9-11 because I was living in New York City and there was a physical warfare style attack. Not the same, but similar in the sense that I absolutely fled New York City. I fled and uh, I was lucky enough to have a place to go. I was able to get on a ferry and that was still running and I was able to get over to New Jersey and then get on you know, my, like get a ride up to my sister's house and be able to spend time with, with my family up away from New York city. Now, uh, and I don't know a ton about refugees and, and politics and all of that stuff. I'm more thinking about it from the perspective of the human experience and how we all respond differently and we all have different needs and we I have so much compassion for whatever a person's response might be under that level of stress and 
fear and legitimate danger, you know, where they're, they're in immediate danger and their life is radically changed in an, in an instant. So like, there's a whole lot that we can talk about. There's so much we can parallel with. There's a lot of things can radically change our life in an instant. You know, someone, someone dies, uh, we lose a job, a uh, divorce, uh, you know, lots of different things can radically change our life that from the moment that it happens, it's just totally different than before that moment. And I feel like this is a really strong example of that at scale. You know what I mean? Where, uh, where millions of people's lives are radically changed in an instant. And there's a lot of varied responses to that. And so this idea of being displaced, of, of being a refugee, of needing to flee a physical area and then go somewhere else. God, it just makes me I just have a, so much compassion for that being like how challenging and traumatizing and and horrible that must be. And I, I don't know, I'm just sort of rambling about that. But that's something that I, I think about and have a lot of love for those people. And, hope you know, like when I think about causes to support and stuff like that, I often think of the refugees. Um, and at the same time, the people who are staying to fight and defend and and stand up for against this this attack. I have a, ma a massive compassion and love for that for that as well. And I think about I mean, I reflect on what would I do? I don't know. I feel like I would flee. I feel like yeah. I would be someone who flees. And I don't know. If, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm more just saying, oh, it's hard. Well, you know, you got to pick your battles, right? Like, are you equipped to fight? And are you do you have a skill set? Do you have equip the equipment necessary? Like, can you be a contributor in some way? And then is that, you know, like, is this something that you truly is your conflict that you want to get involved in? Sure. Um, I grew up in Toronto, in Canada, and Canada has long been known as a a safe haven, a refuge place for refugees to mm -hmm. go. So it was really common throughout my youth to meet refugees mm. directly across the street from me lived a Cambodian family. They moved in when I was probably seven or eight years old wow. and there was a large Cambodian family. They were fleeing from the war, from the oppression and they were refugees. And at a young age, I got introduced this idea and across a street the other way was a Pakistani family, you know? And so it was a very mixed culture and a lot of this, um, meeting people who have had to flee their homeland because it's in in a, in a state of war or state of oppression. And I remember as a child, the first time that I understood the concept of war and mm -hmm. terrifyingly enough, it was nuclear war yeah. that I related that related that stuck. And one of the reasons why it impacted me as a child so much was I did. I live fairly close to the nuclear power plant in the city where I grew up. So it was only, a f you know, a few miles away, not too far away. And, you know, uh, as a fairly smart kid, you're like, that's a key target. If mm. there was ever going to be a missile sent this way, 
And we got taught in school to go under our desks and hide and yeah. like the whole practice of like what to do in case things go to war, you know. And I remember thinking, if I'm, we're, we're not far enough away. I remember doing like as a seven or eight year old going, we're not far enough away from the plant. If they fire a missile, we're just done. Mm. And being scared at night about that happening and having this like constant terror yep. of when's the world going to end? I don't know if you grew, had that similar experience of in fear of nuclear war. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The the topic coming back up again here is just like, what the fuck? You yeah. know, like, what? <sighs> People. It's. This is. Again, this is not, I, I, I'm, I'm clear, I keep put it couching the things that I'm saying because I know that I, I feel very ill-equipped to be in a conversation about Ukraine, but I have just, I, I, I want to, I want to be, even if I'm not going to be in the conversation perfectly. Um, one of the things that I read on the internet, and again, this is not in any way to dismiss, but rather to help people understand what might be going on there, whether this is true or not. Certainly, if they're, I, I invite people to check, check me, fact check me and all this stuff. But one of the things that I read was a post basically helping you understand what was going on. Like, why was Russia invading Ukraine and what, why was this happening? And it was a long post essentially comparing Russia to an old, like, toxic ex that stalks you and threatens your safety. And then we wonder, oh, it wasn't, how could this have happened when the person was stalking you and threatening you and you know, doing the, all these things. And then you wonder when the person gets attacked or murdered by this stalker and other people are, have, have sort of expanded on that metaphor to be like, it's actually more like a kidnapper who had kidnapped you and held you at gunpoint. And then you escaped. And now they're coming back to be like, Hey, let's, you know, like to, to, to capture you again. So it's this, this really horrible traumatizing, but that metaphor helped me more feel like, feel more like I under was understanding what was going on. Uh, again, if it's true. And it, it put it in a frame that helped me because I, I work a lot in relationships and dynamics and healthy dynamics and toxic dynamics. And so to look at it from that perspective felt useful to me. Um, I also, gosh, on the other side of the coin, I always have, I also have so much compassion for the Russian people and wondering how many people are on board or how many people feel like they have to be a part of this conflict and they have to be in this army or whatever, or the people that fully denounce what's happening and feel that sense of 
of separation from their culture and country. I, I can't even imagine what that feels like, you know? So there's yeah. a lot of different pieces of compassion that I feel like I'm feeling that I can't necessarily understand, but I'm empathetically trying to wonder what that would be like so that I can be sensitive to other people's experiences and pain and challenge. I, I have to comment that I feel very blessed to have many Russian and Ukrainian friends, mm-hmm. uh, people I would consider family, people love that it. are really close to me. I've been to Russia half a dozen times. Uh, I love the Russian people. I love how warm they are and how friendly they are. And in the culture, once you get past that kind of cold, rugged exterior and the sharpness of the the dialect, the they're really incredibly loving, warm people. Mm. And what I see is not a nation that is making a decision. It's a leader who's independently making a decision who does not have the backing of the nation. And what I've been shown from the sources that have been provided to me show that the boys, the young men who are driving the tanks didn't know where they were going. Mm. They didn't, they weren't told where they were told they're going on a training mission. Mm. They arrive places, they're told they're given orders, they're terrified, they're undersupplied. And what's happening is these kids have, all their phones are taken away from them. So they have no communication with anything except from their commanders. And they're being given these orders to do things. And and it's kind of a shit show. They really don't have things organized very well. And these kids are don't really want to be there fighting. None of them have anything against Ukraine being people. They're just it's not a personal battle. So they're doing what they're told because they're afraid. Right. But I've watched dozens of videos of Russian soldiers who've been captured Mm. and the Russian, the Ukrainian people are caring for them Mm. as prisoners of war and getting them in touch with their parents to let them know where they are. And they're standing there with their hands shaking, drinking a hot cup of tea and trying to eat something they haven't eaten. And the, and they're talking to their mom via a Ukrainian person's cell phone to say, I'm OK, I'm here, you know, yep. and they're going to keep me here. And and these kids, they're kids, yeah. you know, and there's this big power play going on for power. Number one, just power, straight up control mm-hmm. and oil and money and the same bullshit that continues to try to rule the world. And I think the world's had enough of it. Yeah. Right. Like the I don't see anybody raising a hand to back the one, you know, the, the power mongers. Oh, God. I don't see it. I see millions of Russian people demonstrating against the war. I see millions of people worldwide demonstrating to be, you know, on to, on behalf of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. I don't see Russian support. I don't mm-hmm. see I don't see anybody supporting it except for the powers that be that want their chess game. Yeah, you the, know? the money pieces. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that's interesting too. And how, uh, like the the concept of sanctions and. Com- participating in warfare in the ways that is maybe indirect, right? But still taking a stand, but not taking up arms. And again, I don't necessarily understand all this and everything, but the impact of the economic 
blows to the Russian economy as part of how the United States and other countries are causing, like having impact to like, hopefully stop them. You know what I mean? To help to, to, I, again, I don't really understand that, but I feel like that I see that and I go, cool. Like something's happening that is hopefully going to stop this, you know, like who's hopefully going to end this conflict is hopefully going to take this, this, uh, toxic leadership, this dangerous leadership out, out of power. It's interesting, but like, I didn't know, one thing I didn't know was how wealthy Putin is. I didn't had, I had no idea. I had no clue about that, how, how wildly wealthy he is. I don't know if that has any impact on, you know, what he can do using his own resources, but oh, it's just crazy that that's so interesting to me. And then paralleled with with Zelensky as the leader who is using his and using his translatable skills. You know, you could think about this. This guy is an actor. Right. And he people are like had no confidence. Your friend had no confidence how he could rise. And what's I think beautiful about him is that he's using social media. He's using his skills to orate, to to speak. And he's using the the modern technology of the world wide web and and different channels to galvanize support and and uh, and motivation around his cause which is amazing to see uh, comparatively with Putin which seems like he's very removed you know he's sitting at a table far far away from anyone else and you don't know I mean I don't know anything about it but more like that's what as someone who is just consuming typical media and trying to get media from sources that are trustable that's what it looks like to me is that Zelensky's really rising and using the tools of his that he has cultivated in his life and using the tools of the modern communication era where whereas Putin doesn't seem like he where he doesn't seem to be doing any of that except just pr- like closing down communication in yeah, his it, area it does seem old school old old cold uh, oligarchy kind of power control uh yeah uh dictatorship type behavior mm-hmm. um and and that seems you know really honestly perceived by the friends that i've talked to you know both russian and ukrainian friends that i've talked to about what's going on it's pretty much the same story the impact that it's having is what's interesting me obviously this is a decision made by you know a toxic leader who's just trying to assert his power in a very negative way mm-hmm. that doesn't have a support of any of the nations like nobody is is back there you know joining forces to say yeah this this has to change the world's borders or you know it seems that most of the lines are drawn. There's some gray ones here and there that flex back and forth for power, but you know, mostly the lines are drawn. And and Ukraine has been a long-standing nation that you know for for thousands of years. And this, um, the way that the world is chiming in 
is really interesting. I think it says a lot about the state of the world as a whole in that, you know, countries all over are just sending arms to the Ukraine. And it's not governments making decisions. Yeah. It's citizens. Yeah. A friend of mine messaged me and said, do you have any guns? Can you send them? Wow. Yeah. And one of my friends just sent a 50 caliber sniper rifle, sniper rifle to the Ukraine. Like wow. you put it in a box, send it over there. It's here. Here you go. Here's some, you know, arms and munitions to fight this war with. Wow. And this individual citizens like going into their, you know, personal arms and saying, this isn't right. Mm-hmm. You know, this needs to be stopped. And so I'm curious as to how this is going to play out in the big scheme, because I don't see a society as, as far as the, the whole the whole civilization of, of our planet wanting any of this, mm-hmm. you know. So I think we're at a big turning point right now, and I'm really hoping to see that this is not going to last long. And it's going to, as you say, like we're going to remove that toxic leadership and settle things back down because the world's been you know aside from some of the american behaviors in the last however many decades you know of continuing to have a battle to fight all the time Mm -hmm. the world's been fairly peaceful Mm mm-hmm there have not been massive conflicts. There have been small conflicts, you know, um, Syria, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan on the U.S.'s, you know, decisions to be involved in these conflicts or to make their conflicts theirs. Mm. There's, there's a lot of um, challenging discussion around those topics as well. Mm-hmm. So, I just hope and pray that we're making that change as a society, as a species, that war is something that we're just not welcoming into our lives anymore or, or getting behind. I don't see the people joining the fight as far as um, asserting. I see people defending. Yeah. I feel like it's, I agree. I agree with you that I, I, and I, we, I know we've talked about this on the show before this idea that it feels to me like humanity is moving toward a new tipping point in consciousness, certainly partly because of the new plant medicine revolution or, you know, whatever, I don't know if revolutions are the right word, but renaissance or is this, the awakening. And it's not even just plant medicines, it's consciousness, the, the, the lean toward consciousness, whether it is through spiritual ceremony, whether it's through meditation, whether it is through deep healing work, which is now, and even just caring about mental health, the mental health crisis, that now is a conversation 
that is occurring in our society. And the concept of healing and getting help and being supported and growth, all of those concepts are now very are, are accepted in a lot of ways, at least the, the way I'm feeling it, not just because I'm surrounded only by people who are growth minded. But I feel like more and more the people that would historically 10 years ago been like, no fucking way am I hiring a life coach? You know what I mean? Now they see, oh, this CEO, this badass leader, this whatever person I think is who's this Navy SEAL, right? They're all getting this kind of help. So, okay, cool. It's starting to be more accepted. Now, why I bring that up is that I feel like it's, it's the, it feels like the bigger version of the ego's resistance. And you know how you, it before something is, is getting killed, it is going to fucking fight back and it's going to be violent. Potentially it's going to be a resistance. And so I've, I've definitely seen a lot of commentary on this type of metaphor about humanity, about our societal ideologies and these old ways of being and ways of, of operating in the world are dying because at some point we're going to get to a tipping point, not saying we're all going to become some hippie commune of humanity, but something's happening where this is, like you said, there's so many people that are clearly against this style of, of anything. So yeah, go ahead. Just look at the last hundred years. Okay. So if we go back to well, the beginning of the 19th century, right. And we say that, what was the type of communication that was available? You're talking about telegraph and radio yeah. or just coming Morse on the scene. Code. Like, yeah, like the, we have very, very little understanding of ourselves as a global species. Yeah. And here we are in World War One, and there's these big power plays that are going on and people are just fighting and they don't even know who they're fighting or why they're fighting. And it's all just this this anger and invasion and and the communication changes. Right. And we get into the 1950s, World War Two, and all of a sudden there's a lot more with the advent of television, radio is everywhere. And now we have a much more global understanding. And now the big change is the space age, right? Because there's this big moment, there's this big line that has been drawn in our understanding of ourselves with the looking back at the earth and the astronauts and the early space missions, looking back and seeing, holy shit, that's all of us right there on that one little blue island in space. And the pale blue dot, the further we get uh. away and the more we see we're just this tiny little speck. And this understanding has been continuing to perf uh, proliferate our consciousness in the sense that the internet connects everybody around the whole globe. So our consciousness is basically moving to this like gl giant global awareness of what's going on everywhere and an, a perfect example of that is global warming as a topic mm. right the idea that all the major nations of the world have sat down at the table together to talk about the state of the planet as a whole yeah so, it, this isn't something that was happening 100 years ago right, right. so 
there's an obvious shift in our awareness of ourself as a species because we just didn't see the perspective of the wholeness of the earth. It was limited to like paper maps and then it's moved to digital. And then we can like we can see every single day we can go on Google Earth and you can zoom in, in and out to whatever level you want to really see the entirety of it all. And you can see there's space missions happening every single day of the week there you know there, our perspective has radically changed in the last 50 years there's been a massive transformation in our in our species understanding of itself as a whole mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that is driving this awareness of connectivity that's driving that the the awakening the consciousness shift that's occurring and yeah there's lots of old patterns just like you say these egos these systems and it's fractal right like things are the only constant is change mm-hmm. and As new change occurs and we break away from old systems, old ones wither and die. And there's going to be these embattled moments where, you know, we're not going to want like older. It's hard for people raised in who were raised in an experience where this is the the anger, the, the resentment, the fight, the battle was part of their youth. Then letting go of that is going to be a different, more difficult thing. But you see the younger generations and they may play war games. They might shoot on video games. They might play, excuse me, they might play with guns. Hmm. But I don't see a, a millennials as people who are like angry hmm. at other nations i see people that just look around and see other people and everybody's imperfect and maybe we judge each other but we're not ready to run out and 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 that's what i see with the russian army right now is i see these young kids who were living their best life yeah that russia has lived in a very long time they have modern technologies they have money they have a comfortable life. They have food. They have they play. They actually mm-hmm. get to enjoy their lives a little bit. Where if you've ever been there, you can see the oppression is decades and decades and decades of oppression. Yeah. And the culture is just has been so heavy because of it. And it's not like that anymore. Mm. And these kids don't have that in them. They're they're like this. They're they they're not driven to do this. So they're not angry. Yeah. You know. So I I see the change happening. I see the shift. I agree with you. We're seeing a battle in these archaic power structures that are, yeah, they're fading. I I truly hope that is the case. I, the other, I keep in my contemplation around this conversation, this topic, these, these threads of the conversation that we're touching on. I I like to look at both sides, you know, I like to try to contemplate both sides of things in general, just as a contemplative practice in my being in being open minded. Um, The other thing that I don't know much about, but seems very, very apparent and very much a huge part of this is just as the power of our communication connectivity with the internet and the global 
society that we now have with all of the way that we are now can now can be aware that is also being used as a tool of warfare. It's you being used as a tool of destruction, of misinformation, of trying to basically, you know, use that, try to use the power that's there to have ideas go quickly wildfire viral that it's being used by both sides you know Agreed. so it's now the warfare there's some a whole bunch of warfare is now happening in that ideological realm and that is the scariest not the scariest that's I don't want to say it like that but like that's a scary part of it for me too certainly knowing and being in the work that I'm in that the majority of the work that I do it in my work with other people in my work with teams in my work as myself as a human and my own growth and healing a vast majority of the work that I'm doing is ideological work. To, so I, I have firsthand experience with how powerful a rooted idea can be. Everybody does. Everybody has that experience, whether they're aware of it or not. But that's the thing about ideas being wildly powerful. And this is also sort of why Zelensky is inspiring to me, being like he is clearly modeling values and principles and not just speaking them. He's also modeling them, which is like that then gives a model and an idea of possibility to people looking up to him and seeing him looking to him for leadership. And that's a beautiful thing. It's also a very scary thing if the other side of the house wields that very well also. Yeah. Well, that's the I, I, I agree with you the that representation of values is what pulls people to stay to mm -hmm. stand up and fight for whatever their cause is whether they're defending their country or whether they're going to fight their own battles with willpower you know it, it doesn't it's irrelevant as to what the challenge is it's always value and what we really care about yep. that drives our decision making uh that misinformation i mean misinformation has been the play of war from the very beginning yeah like propaganda. Ev every war yep. has always been driven by misinformation yep. the whole um in, no matter how far back you go back in history the the leaders of the brigades the the commands the battalions whatever army have always had to rile up their troops so that they would take on this fight mm -hmm. that apparently needs to happen. Right. You know, and Makes so me think the, of Braveheart. Yeah. Like it is, does the, then, and now I think what we're seeing is there's so much information available as the people go, well, like, does what? this need to happen? Yeah. Because and then they, they, they're not looking to their leadership for that answer where this this is the age of the information age. Right. Right. This is literally the information age. So it used to be that the only sources that you had for information were paper. Yeah. So it had to be printed and distributed. And 
we, it's not the case anymore. Mm -hmm. So we, it's not this top down flow. It's still trying to be with all these news sources that are providing, you know, there were forms of news or propaganda. It's either side of the spectrum. It could be completely false. That's trying to drive people to believe a certain thing, or it can be entirely accurate or anywhere in between. Yeah. And people know that. That that's the changing thing is that, yeah, there's still a lot of old, easily influenced people that just listen, you know, believe whatever the first thing they hear is. But more and more and more, especially younger people don't because they know if, if you've had a smartphone or you get email, you know, you can't believe anything anybody sends you. It's that simple. If I get a text message that tells me that my car warranty is about to expire, I know it's bullshit, <laughs> right? If I get an email that says something, so we're not going to believe this from anywhere anymore. You just look at it all and you go, it's the age of misinformation. Yeah, you know? which is why it's scary when cell phones are taken away. Like I think of also Kim Jong-un, how nobody in North Korea... Yeah. get like they're, they're not allowed there's no access to information in that entire country theoretically i'd again some i'm speaking about something i don't know much about so please correct me if that's not correct uh, it makes me think of that it makes me think of i think that that's happening in china as well is that correct i don't, I don't know but i feel like the the what i'm getting at is the places and governments that limit information as part of their way to brainwash and keep keep power. It's really interesting if you've done any study of collective consciousness and we watch how humanity moves as a singular entity. Like North Korea is a great example. The people of North Korea are so terrified. They're so terrified that they just nod their heads and say yes to everything mm -hmm. and smile and don't dare step out of line. And there's this strange dynamic going on where the ones enforcing the laws that they don't believe in are doing so because they're afraid for their own lives and the lives of their families. If they step out of line, their family gets taken by mm -hmm. other people who are afraid that if they step out of the line, their family gets taken. So there's this infinite loop of terror that's going yeah. on and it's been encapsulated by the border around it. And there's, you know, a leader in power who it's 100 percent dictatorship, right? Like yeah. they're just holding this border keeping the control of the society so that they keep this infinite loop of fear going on. And yeah. we're back to the same root of the equation, right? Is it fear or is it not? Mm -hmm. And if it's not fear, it's love for freedom. It's love for our lives. It's mm -hmm. love for the planet. It's love for each other. Yep. It's love for an, a, a different way of being, right? And mm -hmm. a fearlessness to say this is wrong, and this mm -hmm. is this is what we believe in. Yeah. And I think I think that's what we're seeing is that we're seeing countries like Sweden who just send a whole bunch of munitions over to Ukraine and go, no, 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 no. Yeah. No, this is I not love it. happening. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. If it's. Yeah, fear, if it's fear, it's not love. If it's love, it's not fear. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No question. This is what's always, well, 
No, that's not an accurate statement. I'll, I'll retract that statement. It's virtually impossible to have a broad enough perspective on a circum situation like this to be able to speak to it in its entirety. Right. Mm -hmm. Like nobody can say I'm the authority on this. I, I know and understand right, everything right, about it sure. because the way that our history books are written is by the victors. So right. whatever story pans out is given by the perspective of those who are left to tell it. Mm -hmm. And I think what's what I hope I see changing here. And this is really me praying and asking for the universe to direct the energy in this way is that the awareness of that, the understanding that the truth isn't always as it's been written before is becoming more and more and more known. Correct. Right. Yes. Where yeah. it wasn't, and there was so much fear I, I see that it still exists in a lot of, you know, to varying degrees in different regions of the world and different cultures, but I see more and more movement away from that. Uh, so. Yeah, you see that in the in the racial equity of like, OK, yeah, it's white privilege, white, white storytelling, how so little so few stories of black Americans, of trans Americans, of just all kinds of different minority underrepresented groups are just not, those stories are not told, which is why there's so many movements now to share those stories, because exactly what you're saying, the people, the victors, quote unquote, the people in power also have the power to write the history books and choose what is going to be told and how it's going to be told. And I think that's been the case and we still see it where there's like North Korea is a great example China still has a lot of restriction but in most of the western world I mean people who have access to the internet and it's not restricted or or throttled for what is allowed and what isn't allowed and I mean you can see a lot of that in like um in uh, the Middle East. The mm -hmm. Middle East has a lot of restriction about what goes through the internet and what doesn't. And here it's a lot, you know, it's a lot less. All, most of Europe, there's virtually none, you know, it, it's open channels throughout South America. So the way people understand things is very different than, than how we previously did. And I, I believe, I, I believe that this is the tipping point, that the great the collective consciousness of our species becoming self-aware, moving to this greater global understanding and seeing things in real time. And when we've already seen that in recent conflicts, in recent developments over the last, you know, in our lifetimes, yeah. how that's changed the way things work. Yeah, I hope you're right. And I feel like that's what's happening too, you know, like maybe that's just me being optimistic and naive. I hope that's not true. <laughs> you know what I mean? I really feel like we are a part of a, a real true transition in the in human history. Not that everyone in every area and every part of human history isn't a part of a transition. Again, change is the only constant. We are forever, but you know, the, if we think about it as a sine wave, sometimes it's 
the down, you know, and other times it's the up. And I feel like I feel like we're in one of those sort of uh, we're in part of that ascending sine wave in one of those troughs where we're we're starting to come up the the other side of the sine wave that goes goes up goes up higher. That's what it feels like to me. Another no doubt. Thing, yeah. You, you want, just just speaking on, you know, with the state of the world, the covid like post covid you can see that, you know, basically the entire civilization of humanity is kind of like oh, over it. Yeah. Over it. Like we've we've understand that there's a risk and we understand we have to manage it and whatever. But we're we're not just going to sit, stand back and be stay home, you know, and that kind of control power dynamic has been demonstrating it's been playing itself out for the last couple of years now. And this, you know, this war that's occurring, this, I don't, I don't really know which word to use because I, I don't, it's, it's these attacks, this conflict yeah. that is in, this conflict that is in place is, I see it the same way as you do, where like we, people are just not standing for it. So. I don't know what else to say, really. I, I pray for the Ukrainian people. I equally play, pray for the Russian people. Me too. I pray for it, them it, all. Absolutely. It, yeah. It, there, I don't see anybody out there who, who wants more fighting or who wants to, 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 you know, try and take something except for the toxic leadership. And so enough's yeah. enough. Yeah. Yeah. Accountability for that. And I always certainly wonder what happens to what has happened, what happened to a person such that they could become that type of person. You know what I mean? When I think about Putin, I'm like, not because again, I don't even I don't know him. I don't know the story. I don't know his history. But I always wonder it is the the wondering about a human experience, like how does a person get to be a loving, radiant, beautiful goddess? And and similarly, how and does a person become, you know, like only exposed to these ideas, only exposed to pain, getting a taste of power, being addicted to that power? You know, it makes me think of a drug addict. You know what I mean? And that style of of just not really being the core light of a, of a human being. You know what I mean? It's a lack of love. Yeah, man, for That's, sure. I'm it's like, just Whoa. not, not receiving love, not knowing how to receive love, not being able to, to process love and, and then having the ego be the, the, you know, the feeding loop of control, 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 fear and control. That's it's mm -hmm. all it's all based in fear. It's all based in this desire to try and control the surroundings, control the outcomes of everything, control our lives and being afraid. And because there's no trust, there's no love, there's no understanding yeah, that the exactly. universe has got it all. It's the same scenario every single time. All the more reason why I'm such a believer in healing, like it truly, like truly, I truly and deeply believe in the power of healing the planet and our and humanity one person at a time, which is a, a big reason why 15 years into my life coaching work and I'm still so wildly fulfilled by that work. 
Like it makes me feel because I believe also very, very, very strongly in the power of ripple effect and how one person really can make a humongous difference. And now with the tools, like, again, I mentioned this about Zelensky, but like the tools that we have, the platforms that we, we can create, the the reach we can actually get with our voice if if we happen to go viral or you know, if we build a platform and a voice, much like what we're doing with Trust the Journey, like I believe we are making a difference. You know what I mean? We know we're making a difference because of the messages that we get. And I'm not trying to bring it back to us, but I'm trying to say, I believe in the power of that individual effort. And I believe in the coming together, the power of coming together. And this is something I want to make sure I mention before this conversation closes out is where can people help? How can people help? I know that you have friends over in Ukraine. One of the charities, the nonprofits that I absolutely believe in and support is called Together Rising. They get funds together and they fund and help support the people who are on the ground doing actually helping refugees and doing stuff like that. So uh, they're on Instagram together.rising. If if you want to donate someplace, that's a place you can donate that I know is a, a quality lead. Um, but yeah, uh, bringing love, how can we magnify love? How can we heal humanity and the planet? And that's the thing about start locally and think globally. I'm, I'm a huge believer in that. Like that's why grassroots efforts really move me as well. So the, the main word, there's one word that encapsulates the, the action to healing and that's empathy, right? Empathy is our default mode as humans. It's proven. Science has studied over and over again. It's not our default to fight. If you put animals in a situation where they're where their resources are limited and where things are challenged, they don't default to fighting. They default to empathizing with each other and sharing and caring for each other. And so the trick to this whole thing is block out the misinformation and empathize with everybody involved. Yeah. Empathize with Putin. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Empathize with this guy who's so fucking torn up inside that he thinks he needs to do this to feel okay about himself and be like, man, send that guy some love so that he can drop his freaking guard, his wall, his attack, this thing where he needs to be, you know, this version of ego of himself because that's what the problem is right and to empathize with the russian people who are afraid and doing what they're told to do and and not wanting to and empathize with the ukraines who are being embattled you know and fighting for their land or fleeing for their lives Mm -hmm. and it's empathize across the board empathize with all the people everywhere and connect through that and if you want to find some peace in yourself Take a few minutes to meditate, be quiet, and just think about sending loving energy outward and what we have to be grateful for. And that is infectious. It just spreads like wildfire and it calms our nervous system. And this is the thing, right? Like we're all one big collective species, right? 
And it's there's a big conscious energy that wraps the whole planet. It's all of us are connected. We may not be aware that we're a collective consciousness, like watching a hive of bees or or a you know or ants as a community, but we are exactly the same. And if we note that our nervous system is agitated and we go, wait a second, and we think about start here, calm myself, create an energy that's empathetic and that's calming and that helps to neutralize those other anxious energies around us, that's infectious and we can help teach others how to do that. And that'll help to calm that collective consciousness and bring peace and love back to this is yeah. our society as a whole. Absolutely. Uh, there's only one distinction I want to make. Ben, being empathetic, employing empathy does not mean condoning actions. So you can, no. we can send love and light and have empathy for all parties, Putin included, and still radically, rigorously denounce the actions he's taking. That's boundary setting. Mm hmm. I just want to make sure I just, I, just in case anybody listening was was hearing that as and conflating the two, which happens a lot. That's yeah. why I wanted to make sure I said that I know, absolutely know that, you know, the difference. Um, so, yeah, but I wanted to say and 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 you're 100 percent in my opinion, you're 100 percent right. Empathy, love and and healing the collective consciousness starts with us and starts locally with us and then starts with how when we are more healed, that's how we can more and more impact in a bigger way around us, have a bigger sphere of, of, of impact. So, yeah, I mean, this is. Yes, all of that. <laughs> reach out make, communicate more be in touch with everybody the more we the more we communicate the more we contact each other the more the more that we're creating that net of consciousness that says what we want as a species and as an entire culture called humans as a planet we make our decisions as a whole we stand up for them we fight for them yeah Absolutely. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for being patient with us as we explore this conversation ourselves. We invite your feedback. We invite your your commentary. We invite your storytelling. We invite your connection. So, yeah, please reach out anytime and just know that we love you and we are with you and we thank you for being with us, too. Uh, I'd like to also take a moment to acknowledge that it was very difficult to put this topic on the on the table because you know none of us know all, all everything related to it and by f- no means are we experts but thank you for very much for allowing us the opportunity to share and connect and try to empathize with each other in this open forum and I, I express such gratitude to the, to the world for this forum to exist for us to be able to openly share our thoughts and to talk to each other and to hear what each other says so that we're not just receiving that top-down information it's a conversation and i am so grateful that this is the state of the world today that we can have conversations and they can be heard around the planet and let's speak up for what we want and and let's stand for it. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much, everyone.